You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 128, featuring special guest Megan Gratzer of Royal Caribbean's Hairspray and Grease. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Hi, friends. I am so glad you are joining me this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast because this one is very, very special. I would like you all to meet Megan Gratzer. She's a musical theater actress born and raised in Queens, New York. And after graduating from LIU Post with a BFA in musical theater, she worked regionally as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and spent 2017 to 2019 traveling the world with Royal Caribbean. First, she spent a year on the independence of the seas, playing the role of Frenchie in Greece. And then very shortly after, she booked Penn in Royal Caribbean's takeout cast of Hairspray on their brand new ship, Symphony of the Seas. Megan was recently diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 26 and has gone public with her battle to help raise awareness. Now, being a performer, our appearance is part of our livelihood, so she touches on important topics such as hair loss and is educating her followers on what not to say to someone going through a cancer diagnosis. There's no doubt that this past year has been incredibly difficult for us all. But in this episode, you'll hear why Megan is candid about sharing her journey, staying positive, and choosing joy even in the most difficult of times. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Megan, tell me how you initially got involved in theater, because I know you grew up in Queens, New York. Yeah, so I grew up singing since I was really little. And I got into theater, I think it was like 2006. I like joined the local theater group and I was there for like 10 years. Every summer I had my group of friends, like every summer we would audition for it's St. Gregory's Theater Group. It's literally like five blocks from me. Um, And I would just do it every single summer. I formed a huge group of friends from there and literally like I didn't even have a summer like we would rehearse Monday through Saturday and I loved it and it was unreal and everyone's like oh like like, are you sure like you like doing that like you're so busy I'm like I love it this is amazing so I you know was super passionate about it growing up and then when it came time to decide on college and what I wanted to do I was like I think I want to do this like I can't imagine my life without it and I think I can do it. And my parents were amazing. They're super supportive. And my mom goes to every single (laughs) show. She doesn't care how many times she sees it. And um, yeah, like it's, it's just been a huge part of my life since I was little. So 
you decide you want to go to college for musical theater. Did you always know, okay, I want to go for musical theater. Were you considering other avenues like dance or acting or anything like that? So originally when, when I was in high school, um, I went to St. Francis prep in Bayside. Um, and originally I was super into like classical voice. I did chorus. I was in like the music department. Like I was very involved and originally I was going to go to school for vocal performance. So I did the whole entire audition process for colleges for vocal no performance. Where? And then it's so funny. Um, I met this girl. Her name's Amanda. She's one of my best friends now. Um, I met her at my local theater group. I wasn't even supposed to do the show that, that summer because I missed the auditions. And I met her and she was like, what are you like, where are you going to school? And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to LIU Post for vocal performance. She's like, I go there for musical theater. And I was like, no, I was like, you know what? Like, I really was like debating, like trying to get into the program. And when I had reached out to them originally, they said, listen, like we don't have any spots left, but next year, if you want to audition, you can. And my friend Amanda worked in the office, in the theater office. And she's like, she's like, I'll talk to, I'll talk to them. Don't worry. So she literally goes into the head of the department. She's like, this girl, Megan is amazing. You need to let her into the program. So I literally, she's like, okay, like let's have her come in and see. So I literally walk in, I go into this classroom with the head of the department. I sing home from beauty and the beast. She asks me to monologue it. And then she's like, we'd love to have you literally like two weeks before school started. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But it's so funny how like things work out. Cause I wasn't originally supposed to do the show that summer. And I ended up coming late. I met Amanda and like, it just all lined up perfectly. And I, yeah, I went, I did four years there. I got my BFA in musical theater and that's gosh, it. How do you feel as though you're training in specifically musical theater has then prepped you for a career now in the theater industry? I feel like a lot of the things that I took away from my program was time management. I feel like there's like this, this pressure to be like rehearsing for hours late at night. And, you know, I was commuting my first couple of years because I lived so close and all these people that were dorming, would stay till like midnight to rehearse their stuff for the next day. And I couldn't really do that because I had to drive home for like 30 minutes. And so I had to really learn how to, you know, manage my time and figure out, okay, like how does, how can this work with what my schedule is and where I live? And, you know, when you're, you're doing scenes with someone that dorms, how do you manage that time? You know? So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway and just learning how to kind of trust the training and that it doesn't need to be this big, scary thing. I think that by the time I graduated, I was like, okay, I, I know what I need to do in order to produce the best work. It doesn't necessarily have to be what my teacher said. It can be my own like curated version of that. And how do you apply that to when you have 30 minutes before a callback, you know, on the same day? You know, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me. What was your experience then after graduating college, jumping into the professional theater audition scene in New York City? 
I mean, wow, it is super intimidating. I'm not going to lie. My last semester of college, I was like, okay, like I really want to book something for the summer right out of graduate, like right out of graduating. So during my last semester, I was, you know, going to the city on the days that I didn't have class or going like, you know, kind of skipping the gen ed classes and like messaging my teachers being like, please don't hate me. (laughs) But I, it's so weird. Like I, so I was auditioning for a bunch of things and I ended up getting a callback for Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz at La Comedia Dinner Theater in Ohio. And this was like one of like my first auditions. And I was like, oh, what do I do? How do I handle this? Oh my God, this is crazy. So I kind of got thrown into it and I ended up booking it. And so before I even graduated school, I had a job lined up and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this doesn't happen all the time. Like, I mean, now I've, ex- I've experienced, you know, not booking anything for a while, you know, and it, it's one of those things that, you know, it's difficult. So the fact that I had booked something, I was like on cloud nine. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. My dog literally got hired as Toto. Yeah, what? (laughs) So when I booked the job, you can't make this up. Like you really can't. (laughs) When I booked the job, I was, I went and I had like jokingly said like, oh, I have a Karen Terrier named Rudy and he's 12 years old and he's super trained. And they, everyone was like, ha, 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 like, so funny. And they had already had a dog lined up to do the show with me. This poor little dog had such anxiety. And I mean, looking back, I was such a trooper because this poor little dog was like squirming out of my arms, barking, like not happy to have me. He did not. He was not a fan. He was just obsessed with his with his owner, which understandably so. But so I'm like trying to sing somewhere over the rainbow and this dog is like freaking out. And the owners of the theater came up to me two days before opening and they were like, listen, so we know that you have a Karen Terrier. Would would your parents be okay with bringing him here? And we'll like, we'll put you in the director's suite. You'll have your own room, your own bathroom. You can't make this up. Your own kitchenette and whatever. So I called my mom and my mom's a vet tech. So she's like, she loves animals. So I was like, mom, like they want Rudy to come like before we open. And little did I know they had, my parents had already planned to surprise me for opening. And she was like, oh, Meg, like, I don't know. Like, do you think he'll be okay? And I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? So then she was like, okay. She's like, listen me and daddy are actually coming to for your opening and we can, and they were driving because my dad doesn't like to fly. So they were driving anyway. So she's like, we can bring him and like, we'll see how it goes. Like the first, you know, show and see what happens. Um, But if it's not good, we'll, we'll bring him back home. I was like, okay, fine. So his first show was literally the opening. We, I, I worked with a stuffed animal, (laughs) the tech, like the couple days of tech we had left. (laughs) And I kid you not, you could ask anyone that did that show with us. He was so funny. He barked at the Wicked Witch. He literally sat in my arms like during Summer of the Rainbow. He was amazing. People couldn't believe that this dog wasn't like a show dog. (laughs) And it's one of those stories that I always keep in my back pocket because it's so funny. 
<laughs> I mean, he's still going strong. He turned 17 wow. in June. Oh yeah, it's crazy. He's my little star. I love him. <laughs> so funny. I was like, that's a story you've got to keep in your back pocket. <laughs> okay, so after after you come back from that show, how long between then and when you started working on, on cruise ships, what was that, that time period like for you? So I finished Wizard of Oz at like the end of August. And so I, I mean, you know, audition season isn't until later in the year. So I had like September, October, where it was only cruise ship auditions. So I auditioned for Disney. I auditioned for Norwegian. Royal Caribbean. And I honestly, I had never auditioned for any of them before because I hadn't had a reason to, and I was in school. So I auditioned for all these different cruise ships. I was like, all right, well, I don't have anything else to audition for. And I may as well. I went in, I think it was in like the end of September. I went in for Royal Caribbean. I went to the open call. They had never seen me before. And they gave me a call back for Frenchie and I was like, Oh my God, like what do I do? And they give you like this huge packet and you're like, uh, what do I do with this now? Great. And I had like one night to like learn everything. And I was panicking. Cruise ships are notorious for doing that. Mm -hmm. So much material. And I was like, Oh my God, can I do this? Oh no. Like I freaked out. So I went in the next day and I did the dance callback and I got through again and then they had me do the Frenchie packet and then probably like two to three, probably two to three weeks later, I got the offer for it and I was, oh oh my God. And at that point I was waiting to hear back from Disney and Norwegian as well. So I was like, okay, maybe something will happen. (laughs) Like let's hope. And so when I got the email, I literally was sitting on my steps at my parents' house and my mom was sitting on the computer and I was like, mom, I, I think this is an offer. I don't even know what this was. What does an offer look like? I don't know. And I just see like the list of all like the places I was going to be going. It was in, it was surreal. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And like, they, they, they kind of like just lay out basically what the contract is going to be. But I mean, as someone who had never even auditioned for a cruise ship, I had no idea what to expect. I knew no one. I, at that point, I didn't have any like audition friends. Like, you know, I was (laughs) brand new. I was like, Hey guys, I'm here. Um, but it was crazy. And I was like, there was, it was a no brainer. I was like, I want to do it. Like I was like going to be in Europe. I was going to be in the Caribbean. I was like, this is amazing. And so it was really only, I think I left in January for that contract. So I had from like September till December, I had the holidays at home. And then I went away for like, I think it was like 10 and a half months. Wow. Wow. And then you went, so you went on that contract for about 10 months or so, which is like a typical contract for a cruise ship. Um, And then you went back, you went back to a different ship. Yeah. So I um, had heard rumors of symphony of the seas which was their like brand new biggest ship, and that they were doing hairspray and I was like oh I kind of really like to play Penny like why not like this that would be fun and at the time my now fiance he was um he had been in callbacks for Greece while I was doing Greece and so we were at that point we were trying to like figure out like, okay, like, how are we going to see each other? Like, let's just like audition for whatever and see what comes back. So at the time I had also 
reached out to them to say, if Jared is going to be in Greece, like, can I do it? So the day I found out that they were officially doing hairspray, I was like, okay, like, let me just record a video, a submission and send it in. I was like, I probably won't get it because they're going to want to see people in person, but Hey, like, what do I have to lose? I got nothing else to do. Like I'm on a ship, like let's do it on a sea day. So I recorded the material and I sent it in. And then like a week later, um, a few, like a couple of people from my cast had, you know, been getting offers and Jared got a grease offer to play duty on Harmony of Seas. So he got on the phone with them and was like, do you know if Megan is going to be given an offer for Greece? And they were like, well, she actually has another offer that is going to be, she's going to be called in like three minutes. Oh my I was God. like, Calls me. It's literally a C day. So I'm like paying for my Wi-Fi. I'm like, what's going on? I was like, what is happening? He's like, you're going to be getting an offer. I'm like, okay. And I got the offer for Penny and I literally got off the ship December 2nd. I left, I had three weeks at home. I had Christmas at home. And then I flew to Miami. I think it was like December 28th. It was right before new, new year's. And we had like a month together like in rehearsals. And then we didn't see each other for eight months, but we were like, let's just like do it. Like, let's make the money. Let's do these amazing shows. Cause the end game is for us to book together. Like this is going to be great. You know? So I literally only had three weeks home, but, um, the, that contract was, was intense, but it was an amazing experience like doing that show. And my Tracy was one of my best friends. Like hmm. she's amazing. I mean, it was amazing. It was the show. I mean, it's literally billion dollar shows. Like you can't beat it, you know, no, you can't. Like, there's such a, a stigma with cruise ships, but like the game is changing nowadays. Like these shows like are incredible. They, the costumes, the teams that they have come in, like th- you can't beat it really. And like, I mean, the money ain't bad either. <laughs> there are so many pros to working on a cruise ship, especially when you're getting to do those big shows. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you that you got from working on cruise ships for so long um, about, you know, work ethic and and what you expected versus what actually happened on the cruise ship? I'm fascinated because I love talking about this. It's something that I've, I feel like more more actors should be talking about because these are some really great opportunities. Yeah, I mean, so I had two very different contracts, like status wise. So when I was doing Greece, um, I mean, anyone that has you know, gotten an offer or has auditioned for Royal Caribbean specifically, there's like dancers, then there's lead vocalists, and then there's featured singers. So during my Grease contract, I was a lead vocalist. So I was in a bunk bed with my party. She's one of my best friends too. She's from the UK. And, um, and then my second contract where I did Hairspray, I was a featured singer. So I had my own room. I had a porthole, you know, but they are two very different contracts. And that's why I always say if anyone ever gets an offer for a cruise ship contract, talk to someone that has worked for them. Because, you know, for me, like when I, when I had, you know, taken Greece, I saw lead vocalist and I was like, oh, that's the highest rank. But because I wasn't, I didn't know any, any better, but you each each tier has different um you know duties and all all these things so my first contract I 
was a lead vocalist. I was in a bunk bed, which obviously like, you know, is not ideal, but when you have a nice roommate, it's not so bad. But I also had a lot more fun on that one because there, there were less, I don't want to say less, uh, you know, responsibilities. Cause it's, it's not like, I didn't have any big song in Greece. You know, I was kind of like the side, like, Hey, hey I have one line in summer loving great. And I just, sit here and smile and make faces during beauty school dropout. But like I had to do like jazz set, I had to do 70 set. And I had, I had a lot of singing to do, but with um, my hairspray contract, I found that I had to be way more strict with myself on keeping mm. my, vo- my voice okay for not only hairspray, but also the other show flight. I w- had a huge role in that as well. And so you, you kind of have to, there's pros and cons to both because, you know, I had this amazing room. I had, you know, pretty much guest status, but I had to be like super strict with myself and I couldn't go out and like have a drink the night before, you know, stay out late. Like I had to make sure I got full eight hours of sleep and, you know, keep myself healthy, you know? So there's definitely pros and cons to both, but I, I mean, I would love to do another ship contract. I think that it's amazing. I saved so much money doing two back to back. I literally like, I still have my saving. I'm, I mean, I'm a psycho with my money. I'm like, put it away, put it away. But like, if you, if you go into it with the intention of like, okay, I'm going to do this amazing show and and I'm going to have a savings account. It's no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And you're traveling the world. Like if you get an amazing itinerary, and you're going to Europe, like both contracts, I was in Europe the first half and then the Caribbean the second half. Yeah, like it was perfect. So it, I mean, it was amazing. And it, honestly, like, I'm very grateful that I had those opportunities and I would absolutely do it again. And anyone who gets those offers, just do it. Like, why not? You know? Now you also, and you also met your now fiance yeah. on your first, was it the first ship then? Yeah, so okay. I met him, um, while I was doing Greece, he was on as a guest entertainer doing a Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons tribute group. He saw me in the pink wig. <laughs> he knew. But it's so funny. Like, it's so crazy to think like this summer, it'll be like four years since we met. And it's so crazy. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, like all these things came into my life from doing a cruise ship contract. Like my best friend, Sarah is from the UK. She did Greece with me. Like all these people came into my life you that you wouldn't normally meet, you know, but he's a good egg. He's good. <laughs> so when did you, when did you get engaged? Um, September. Oh God. Was it 2019? Yeah. September, 2019. So he is, he's from where, where is he from origi- originally? He's from Wales in the UK. Okay. Can you just talk to me about what that's like? I mean, listen, I know that you guys also were able to perform for some time together, which is, or at least be on the same ship together. Um, But then you've been working, uh, you worked several months apart and now you're spending this, I imagine you're spending this time apart right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's that like? Talk to me about that. So, I mean, it's definitely difficult. I mean, there are so many couples that meet on ships and like, they're in this bubble where they're together and like you have your room and it's like the perfect little life. And then when the contract ends, you're all of a sudden like, okay, now we're like really long distance. This is super hard. But 
when we agreed to do those two contracts where we were apart for eight months, I mean, it was so difficult because you know, you're talking about time difference, paying for Wi-Fi and not seeing each other. And like, I mean, it's definitely difficult, but I, I always say this to anyone that like tries to do long distance, like both people have to be giving the same amount for it to work. And luckily, like both Jared and I have been super committed to to making this work. You know, I feel like there's like this, this, I'm, I don't know how to say it, but people think that, oh, it must, like, you guys are so perfect. You guys are so happy and in love, but like we put in so much work to keep us that way. I mean, we're almost in four years now. Like it, I mean, it's hard. It is. And during the pandemic, like he was actually on um, Norwegian bliss doing Jersey boys when all of this happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had both gone in for Jersey boys and I didn't get it. And he did. And I was like, listen, it's okay. Like we're, we've handled everything. (laughs) Like we can handle this and you're docking in New York once a week. Like I'll get to see you. It's fine. Like I'll be auditioning. You do your thing. We'll see each other every Sunday in New York, have lunch Mm. and it'll be fine. And it was only like a six month contract. Mm -hmm. And then he had just gotten on the ship like first week of March. And then like a few weeks later, it's like, okay, um, you guys need to like float in the ocean for a little bit. And I couldn't see him. He was literally like in, in New York stuck and I couldn't see him. And there was talks of this travel ban happening. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like legally he, when he gets off the ship, he has to fly home legally. Wow. So we were hoping that he would get off the ship that day, fly to the UK and immediately get on a flight to come back here. But because of they, the ship kept stopping at different places and no one would let them off. So by the time he got off the ship and sent back home, the ban was up literally the day before. So he, like, we literally couldn't see each other. And it got to the point where I, we were trying everything. We were like, okay, what do we do? And like, we're in the midst of the visa process and everything was put on hold because of this pandemic. And I mean, we like, we did so much research trying to figure out like, what can we do? So we found out that you could technically fly here if you quarantine in a country that isn't banned from the US. Literally, kid you not. So Jared, love him to death, went to Turkey for two weeks. Wow. Quarantined and then flew to the US and spent three three months here. And then he had to fly back home, but he was here from August till November, but only because he was willing to go to Turkey and quarantine. Like you literally can't make this up. So yes, we did that. And then obviously he had to fly home in November. um, And he actually has his interview date for um, the K-1 in like two weeks. Yeah, we literally had to join a lawsuit just to get the interview scheduled because everything is basically being pushed off because of the pandemic. You have gone through quite a lot since since the shutdown. Um, and as long as you're comfortable, I would love to talk candidly about this. You've been very, very, um, open on social media. I know right before we started recording this, you were talking about how this pandemic quite literally saved your life. Um, 
let's let's discuss that. Basically, because I was home, I you know got all of my important doctor's appointments scheduled, and um, breast and ovarian cancer runs in my family on my dad's side. So, like my grandma had breast and ovarian, my my yeah my great aunt, my aunt, and my cousin have all had, and. So I've always known growing up that it's something that I needed to pay attention to. Um, but even so, I was, I never really imagined that it would happen, you know? And so there's something called a BRCA gene test, which it's a blood test. You basically um, get it done if you have any breast or ovarian cancer that runs in your family. So my older sister had gone, she had gotten it done a couple years ago. She's only a, a year and a half older than me. Um, and she came back positive, but I mean, let that be an example of like, we didn't think it was anything of a big deal because, you know, we were just like, okay, just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. It's just, you're basically approved for early screenings because you have the gene. So back in August, I was like, okay, I'm about to turn 26. I'm going to be off my parents' insurance. Like let's, let's just get everything scheduled, especially this gene test. Cause it's very expensive. And, you know, I already knew that my parents' insurance would cover it. So I was like, let me just get it done just to get it out of the way. And honestly, there was a point in my life where I was unsure if I even wanted to get this gene test done. Cause I was like, do I want that to be hanging over my head, like a ticking time bomb of, okay, this can happen. So, but something inside me was just like, Meg, get the test done, just get it done. So I went and I got it done in August and it came back positive. And my gynecologist was like, yeah, like, you know, now like we can probably start doing just routine screenings, just be on top of it. Like it's not a big deal, whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. So September, October goes, and I, I was like, okay, like I let me let me just get this routine MRI done. So I scheduled it in for November, and I went with my sister. We both scheduled them for the same day, so we could just go together. She was fine, and they said to me, mm, "We see something. We're not really sure what it is. Um, let's let's just why don't you go in for a mammogram and a sonogram." So now like my heart just sinks because I'm like, I just have this feeling in my stomach that something's not right. And so I had to wait a couple weeks because scheduling the two tests on the same day was kind of difficult with COVID and this craziness. So um, I scheduled it and then the, the first snowstorm happens on the day of it. So it had to get postponed to like, a couple weeks after that, like, kid you not, I'm like, really? Uh, I was like, oh God. So finally they scheduled me in for like the, I think it was like the first week of January and I go in, I went for the mammogram, which was fun, <laughs> quite uncomfortable, but you know, like you just got to do it. And then directly went to the sonogram in the other room after that. And they're like, okay, like just go wait in the hallway. So I was like, okay. So I'm just sitting there and I'm like texting my mom. I was like, oh, I feel so anxious. Like, I don't know why, but I just like something doesn't feel right. So then they call me in and they have the doctor on the phone. 
the doctor wasn't even in because of COVID. So they're like trying, I guess they sent all the scans to the doctor from home and she looks at them and then normally she'd come in and talk to you, but instead it's on a phone call. So she calls me up. She was super sweet. She's like, listen, I, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I even have to talk to you about this because you're only 26. Like, like for a normal person, these scans, I'd say, okay, like come back in six months and we'll see. But because of the family history and the BRCA gene, you know, let's just like get the answer, go for a biopsy and then we can move forward. So I, I mean, my heart sank again and I went out into my car, I cried and then I like sat up, I called the place and booked my biopsy. And it was like two weeks was the closest. I literally drove all the way to Stony Brook because I was like, I don't care how far the office is. I will drive anywhere. Just give me the the closest appointment time wise. So the two weeks leading up to it, I was like, oh, I just felt like sick to my stomach over it. Like I knew something wasn't right. I was like, this isn't, this isn't nothing. So I went for the biopsy with my mom. I mean, the biopsy alone is just so uncomfortable. They literally go in and like, like it's like this like claw thing. And I'm like just sitting there. I'm like, oh, this is the most uncomfortable thing. Um, and then, so that was on a Tuesday. And then the Friday, they I was supposed to hear about the results. And my gynecologist called me on his day off to tell me the news because he didn't want me to have to wait till Monday. And he was just like, listen, like it's breast cancer. And I was like, what? I, I mean, just like that phone call, it's surreal. Like you don't ever like think about what that would feel like until it actually happens. Like I can't explain it. Um, and it was, it was just surreal. Like I, I ran over to my parents' house and my mom was already like booking me in appointments for like a surgeon and, you know, like an oncologist. And I mean, she literally has been my rock through all of this. Like she's been my chauffeur. <laughs> my, literally she's like driven me to everything to go to all my chemos. It's unreal, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. I was like, I can't imagine staying quiet about this and, risking that someone else is going to, you know, push this off and, you know, not like, I need to use my voice in this. I have to share my story and, and let people know that this is something that it's not okay that you like 40 years old is when we start getting routine mammograms and sonograms and MRIs, like that's not okay. You know, so it's, it's something I'm very passionate about now having experienced it and am experiencing it currently. Um, and I've like learned so much already. Like, I didn't even know that there were different types of breast cancer and, you know, you, you find out all this information in a matter, I'm kid you not. I found out January 22nd and I started chemo on February 22nd. And in the midst of that, I met with two surgeons, two oncologists. Um, I've had a wig made, like there are so many things that we got done in a matter of a month it's so much information. And I'm like, I like feel like this fire inside me to like share it and like, you know, like educate people, you know? So it's definitely crazy, but um, going back to your question, like, because my cancer, so I have triple negative breast cancer. 
which basically means that, so if someone was um, like progesterone or estrogen driven, you could do hormone therapy to treat it because I'm triple negative, which is one of, well, is the most aggressive breast cancer. You can't do like a targeted therapy. So like my chemo is attacking all of my cells rather than like, if I had hormone positive, you could do a hormone therapy and only your hormone cells are, are attacked, you know? So because it's such an aggressive cancer, if I waited six months, seven months, eight months, I mean, who knows what the timeline would be, but it could have been way worse, you know? And so the pandemic literally did save my life because if I was away or, you know, even if I was just auditioning in the city, like in the midst of the craziness, you forget to go to your appointments, you know, you forget to schedule them because I, I was home and wasn't doing anything. Like I found this when I did, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, I mean, it's crazy. And you touched on such an important piece of advice on, uh, I think this, this particularly is important for, for performers who are feeling like they're constantly on the go, especially when you're pursuing this professionally in a big city, you are just mm -hmm. always on the go. You're, you're working, you know, even if you're, even if you don't have a job, even if you don't have a theatrical job quite yet, you're working side jobs, you're paying for rent, you're trying to keep up your social life. You're also going to a million and one auditions just to get that next theatrical job. And I can see this, this kind of thing happening to a lot of our industry because we're always we're, we live in such a, a fast paced environment that it's impossible to just like step, take a step back and focus yeah. on what on you and what you need. Um, and God forbid that it's cancer. I mean, you know, I, yeah. that's just so crazy to hear that had you had, you know, been back in New York or had you had been doing auditions and stuff like that, had you been on a cruise, I mean, you might not have, you might not have caught this until later. Oh, I absolutely wouldn't have caught it. And like you said it perfectly, like there is this pressure to, I mean, even in the pandemic, you can see it, like there's still this pressure to like be doing Zoom dance classes and doing seminars and doing all this stuff. And like, I mean, I took the beginning of this pandemic and I was like, okay, like, yep. <laughs> let me take a step back and you know, just breathe for a hot second yeah. and let me miss it. Let me miss doing all those things. And let me get to the place where I'm like, oh, I wish I was back in Pearl Studios, shoved <laughs> in a, the corner of a room, sweating, hot, trying to put blush on. Like, <laughs> let me get to a place where I'm missing that. <laughs> it's like, right now I'm not. But like, it's so crazy. Like, I kind of took this pandemic to take a step back and, you know, try to breathe and, ha and have my life not revolve around theater for once, you know, and, you know, plan my wedding and, and make music with my fiance yeah. and, and do something that I've never done before because right now is the only time that I don't need to feel guilty for doing that. You know, like, I mean, to each their own, like there are people that love to do that. And I, listen, I wish I was like that, but I, I haven't taken a dance class. I haven't done a seminar. <laughs> I haven't done a thing. 
And like, you know, it's scary to say that. And like, even as I'm saying, I'm like, oh my God, people are probably like, really? But I, I like really wanted to just take it and, you know, breathe in that. And, you know, obviously like, I'm, I'm very lucky that, you know, I'm, I don't live in the city and I have a backyard, you know, my parents are three houses over and I have dogs that I can play with and, you know, all those things. But I mean, for anyone, I think anyone that had to leave New York to go home, like when was the last time we had like quality time with our family? And I'm sure people are going crazy by now, but in the (laughs) beginning, I mean, in the beginning, like when was the last time people didn't miss Easter or miss Christmas or a New Year's or anything? Like I, this was the first time I was home for like every single holiday, you know? And like, it was nice. And I'm not, obviously I'm not saying this pandemic was amazing, but like there are also blessings in tragedy and like I've tried to find, you know, positive outlook in any of the things that that has been thrown my way in this year. You know, I mean, there's been so much, but I'm trying to find like, okay, why, why did this happen to me? But what can I do to, to give me a reason like what, what is my purpose in this? You know, I'm 26 and this is happening to me seven months before my wedding. Like what, what am I doing? Like, why did this happen to me? And, you know, sharing my story and being raw and honest. And, you know, sometimes it could come off a little harsh, but like, I think it's so important, like talking about things like hair loss, for example, you know, that was the biggest thing for me when, when I originally got the phone call, originally I was supposed to get surgery first and they didn't even know if I was going to be needing chemo or radiation or whatever, because they didn't get those receptor results where I said triple negative. They didn't know that yet. And so originally I was scheduled for the double mastectomy on the, like the Tuesday after I found out and, um, Then Monday night, they got my receptor results and they canceled the surgery. Like I had already done like the, you know, the COVID test, everything like preparing. And literally I got the phone call Monday saying, hi, okay, surgery is canceled. You need to do five months of chemo. You will lose your hair and then you will have a double mastectomy after. And I broke down in tears and I say this to any of my close friends, like finding out that I was going to lose my hair was harder and more heartbreaking than finding out that I had cancer. And I feel like it's, you know, it's a topic that like a lot of people like don't really know how to handle it because it is so sensitive to each specific person. Like there are people that don't love their hair or don't, they don't think about it in that way that it's like they're, their personality or anything but as a performer we're like our physical appearance is part of our livelihood finding out that I was going to lose my hair I was like heartbroken you know because that's I mean you can't see it now but like when I go to auditions like people like the people behind the table like your hair is so beautiful like that's something that I it's my confidence you know it's like what makes me stand out in a room next to all the other brunettes, but oh, mine's really <laughs> shiny. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that like is not part of my identity. And 
know, a lot of people don't know how to respond to someone saying like, I'm going to lose my hair from chemo, you know? And so I did a whole post about it and I'll probably like dive into it deeper in the future, but you know, things like, oh, it's okay. It'll just, it'll grow back. Oh, it's just hair. Oh, like, I'll like, I'd shave my head for you. Like things like that are, you know, it's really hurtful to someone that is losing it because it's not a choice, you know? And I think that, well, I hope that me sharing my thoughts on it will help someone, you know, who has an aunt or a cousin or anyone, a friend going through it to say, okay, like, this is what I shouldn't say. And this is how I can be helpful and comforting in a really heartbreaking situation. So that's kind of where I, why I decided to go public with this. I was like, I have to like any fear that I have about going public with something like this is not nearly as important as, you know, sharing my story and, you know, hopefully saving other people's lives, you know? And the unfortunate part of this is that every single person that could be listening to this right now knows or has been affected by someone who has cancer. Absolutely. Reading your posts and having and and you lending your story has been really eye-opening yeah. and inspiring. Is there anything particular, Megan, that that you feel has been helping you during this time? Is there anything maybe in in other people, words that words of affirmation that they've given you, or is there anything um, that's just keeping you happy and optimistic during this time? I mean, the outpouring of love and support that I've received, I honestly have no words. I I really don't like the amount of people that have reached out to me, have stood by me, have, I mean, sent, I mean, if you saw this room right now, there are endless amounts of blankets and fuzzy socks and lotion and candy, my favorite candy. (laughs) And like, I am speechless over the amount of kindness that I have been shown just for simply sharing my story. Like I was not expecting this. I, I mean, I thought like my, you know, a few like people that would reach out. I mean, the amount of people, it's amazing. Like people being like, I read your post and I went into the shower and I checked myself or I canceled my, my pap smear three times and I'm going tomorrow. Like things like that. I think that's the biggest help for me is seeing that my story is making a difference and it is helping. And, you know, it is making it, it's just making a difference. Like I, the fact that, you know, I can share this and I mean, like, oh, I think over like 500 people liked my post. I was like, what? I was like, oh my God, I ain't even Insta famous. Like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, holy moly. But like that many people, and the amount oh. of messages I've received it is unreal. And like I said in my post, anyone that has said anything that I have like maybe, you know, talked about in a post, like especially with like the hair loss, I never, you know, are angry at people like, or 
judgmental because listen, I say this to anyone that has reached out and be like, Oh my God, I said that too. I'm sorry. I'm like, listen, I'm like, we are all learning. I was like, I'm going through this the same way you are. Like I am learning as I'm going and I'm learning what hurts me or makes me sad and makes me happy. And, you know, I'm not going to hold that against anyone because it's a learning curve for everyone, you know? And I know that people never have an ill intention when they say things like that, they mean it to make me feel better. And I think that, you know, when it comes to people reaching out, like it's just the, it's not about the things or, you know, anything like that. It's just like saying, I read your story and because of that, I'm doing this, this, and this, or my, my mom is going through this right now. And I never know what to say to her, but now I know things like that. Honestly, it just motivates me to keep like digging deeper and it encourages me to be more open and honest about things that are probably more difficult to talk about. Um, yeah, like I really want to write a book about it, honestly. Like I've been thinking about it because I think it's it's one of those things. I am a part of like a couple of support groups for breast cancer. And, you know, a lot of these women I'm seeing like 35, 40, 45, you know, and I'm like this little like 26-year-old being like, hey, <laughs> hi. And, you know, it's crazy. Like, and I'm like, you know, if I had a book, that like a, a 26 year old girl or 20 in her twenties going through this and she came out of it on the other side, better with a pair of perky boobs. Great. You know? <laughs> like, I'm like, I, that would have helped me so much. So I, I really do want to write a book and like, I think I'm going to, because I think it's so important to, to have that be on a bookshelf. Like, for anyone, if you hear of anyone that is going through this at like in their twenties, here you go. Here's a book by Megan Grath. She's twenty six. You went through it. You know what I mean? Like, so it's definitely something I want to do. But I think the the biggest motivation for me is just hearing all these people like reach out to me and saying that my story has made a difference. I really have no words except thank you for sharing your story and continuing to and and um, shedding light on such a, a difficult conversation. I see a very, very bright future ahead for you.